listening to the Learning to Believe Again podcast with your host, Brittany Bexton. Where do you begin when you're learning to believe again? Hi, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. Today, I want to talk about different ways to pray. So I am reading The Believer's Authority with some friends right now by Kenneth E. Hagen. And the way he broke this down in one of the chapters, I really loved. Now, you might be familiar with different ways to pray. And you might not be at all. You might be brand new to learning about the things of the supernatural. And if that's the case, and you are learning about the Bible and you're pretty fresh at it, you might not know that there are different ways to pray. But there are. You see, we can decree and declare. We can ask. We can command and demand. And we can praise. And all of those are forms of prayer. There is also a contending that happens through the Spirit, which can either be done praying in tongues or through travailing prayer, which is the groans and the tears and the wails that can't be put into words. So those are the different ways to pray. And when we pray, we want to be led by the Holy Spirit. There are a number of different ways to pray, but we want to be effective in our prayers. Now, we can pray in any one of these ways and be biblically sound. But often, God has a very specific strategy for us in different areas. And we want to know when it's appropriate to do what. And God, the Holy Spirit, can guide us in our prayers. Now, if you are a seasoned intercessor, you know this already, but I hope that there will be something in this episode that will just bring a fresh encouragement and light to you. But if you are new to praying or new to intercessory prayer or just digging deeper into the Bible, I hope that this will unfold some different things for you. So I was reading through chapter four of the Believer's Authority the other day, and this section really struck me. Now, I know that we have authority over the devil and all of the devil's minions or demons, As believers in Christ, we have been given authority, meaning they have no authority to harm us, to hurt us, to control us, or anything else. But we have to stand in our authority and take authority over those things. And he talks specifically about how he did that in a particular life application. And that is in praying for his brother, who was a prodigal. So I'm going to read just this section from chapter four with you. He says, while praying for my older brother's salvation, I heard the Lord in my spirit challenge me. He said, you do something about it. I had been praying for my brother's salvation for many years. He was what you would call the black sheep of the family. In spite of my prayers, he seemed to get worse instead of better. I always had prayed, God save him. I'd even fasted. I was prone to slip back into praying this way. But after the Lord challenged me to do something about it, after he told me I had the authority, I said, in the name of Jesus, I break the power of the devil over my brother's life and I claim his salvation. 
I gave the order. I didn't keep saying it or praying it. When a king gives an order, he knows it's going to be carried out. The devil tried to tell me my brother would never be saved. But I shut my mind off and started laughing. I said, I don't think he'll be saved. I know it. I took the name of Jesus and I broke your power over him and claimed his deliverance and salvation. I went my way whistling. Within 10 days, my brother was saved. The word works. Now we hear that and, you know, the temptation is that that is what we do all the time. We command and we demand and that will mean that it's done. But we have different prayer strategies in different situations. I felt the power in what he said there. He took power over the enemy, the power that he already had in his authority through Christ. And he commanded and demanded that the enemy let go of his brother. And he claimed his brother's salvation in the name of Jesus. And it worked. There are also times that we have to wait for a promise to be fulfilled. Or we have to contend for things for a long period of time. It says in other places in the word that we shall ask and keep asking, knock and keep knocking. Specifically in Matthew 7, 7 and 8, it says, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. So in that section, what ask means is to ask, beg, call, call for, crave, desire, require. So that is a position of asking. But when we are in that kind of a situation, we are imploring of our Father, That verse section goes on to talk about how God gives good gifts. So that prayer section goes on to explain that if one of our children asks us for a specific present, we don't give them a snake instead or a stone instead. We give them what they asked for and that our father in heaven is greater than we are. So, of course, if we ask him for a good gift, he won't give us something different. He won't give us a snake instead of what we're asking for. So there is a mention of the Father. So I'm going to dive deeper into this right now. We absolutely have power and authority over the enemy. And just as Kenneth Hagin gave this example in commanding the enemy and demanding that the enemy let his brother go, It worked, and it was what was needed in that moment. But notice, God told him to do that. God said, you do something about it. He heard the Lord in his spirit challenge him and say that, which means that in that moment, what he had not done was demand that the enemy let his family go or his brother in this particular case. Now, he gives examples of other scriptures. He says, Peter at the gate did not pray for the lame man. He demanded or commanded that the lame man be healed. That is Acts 3, 6. It says, but Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have in the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene. Get up and walk. He commanded the man to walk. 
Because as he did that, he put the enemy in its place. He commanded the truth to come forward. That's not exactly a demand as much as it is a command or prophesying the truth. So that's one way to pray. We can prophesy what God has shown us that he's going to do by speaking it out in a command form. So that's one example he gave. The next example is Jesus made this statement in John 14. And whatsoever you shall ask in my name that I will do. And then there are some ellipses. If you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. It's verse 13 to 14 in John 14. He's not talking about prayer in this section. The Greek word there for ask is actually demand, not ask. So Jesus is saying, if you demand things from the enemy or you command the enemy in my name, I will do it. It will be done. That is the authority that we have been given. But then he says, on the other hand, in John 16, 23 to 24, it is talking about prayer, not commanding, not demanding, but it is actually prayer. Right there in John 16, it says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, whatever you shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Hitherto, have ye asked nothing in my name? Ask and you shall receive that your joy may be full. So that's in John 16, 23 to 24. But here, the word for ask really is ask. It is asking and it's praying. But the Father is mentioned here. God himself is mentioned here. He isn't mentioned in the passage in John 14, but he is mentioned in the passage in John 16. So the Greek actually reads, whatever you demand as your rights and privileges. You've got to learn what your rights and privileges are. So that's in John 14. It's your rights and privileges that you're demanding from the enemy because you have authority to demand and command from the enemy. But we have to know that while we can demand and command from the enemy because we do have authority over the enemy, we do not have authority over God. God has given us authority. Our authority comes from God. So in the John 16 verse, it mentions the Father God. When we approach the Father, we always do so with humility. We ask him. We praise him. We come with prayer and supplication, which means prayer and thanksgiving. We ask him. We praise him. We implore of him. We seek of him. We even beg him, as it says in that one verse in Matthew 7, where it is talking about prayer. It says, beg, implore of, ask. We do ask in those situations. We ask of our Father. We command and demand from the enemy. So one thing we have to know when we're praying is who are we speaking to? Are we commanding and demanding the enemy? Are we demanding our rights from the enemy? Or are we asking in humility of our Father? There are different approaches there. So in one, we have the authority and we can command and demand. In the other, we have to come with humility before the throne of God and ask him as a child asks a father. So in that, when we command and demand from the enemy, we need to stand in belief and faith and in authority that we have, in fact, 
issued a command and it must be done. We don't have to implore of the enemy. We don't have to put ourselves in a position where we're begging from the enemy. We do not beg from the enemy. We command and demand the enemy and we trust that we have the authority and that in our faith is done. It is done. It is done. But when we come before the Father, sometimes we do have to keep asking. Jesus gives us a couple of examples of that in parables. One, he talks about a man who goes to his friend's house in the middle of the night and knocks. And his friend doesn't answer, but he keeps knocking and he keeps knocking and he keeps knocking, knowing that he will wake up the whole house. And the man doesn't want to come and answer the door, but finally he comes and answers the door because he does not want his friend waking up the whole house. So it is with our prayers. Now, when I say prayers, it has nothing to do with the enemy. That is seeking our father. We have to ask and keep asking, knock and keep knocking. That man kept knocking until he had an answer. We also see with the persistent widow. Jesus gives this example in scripture with the persistent widow. It's a parable. But this persistent widow has been having issues and she needs justice against an adversary. So she keeps going to an unjust judge and initially he will not listen. He will not listen. He will not listen. And finally, she is so persistent that the judge finally asks why she's there. And she asks him to grant her justice against her adversary. And you know what he does? Even the unjust judge granted her justice against her adversary. Because she was persistent. And he says this is how we are supposed to be in prayer. But prayer meaning how we come to the Father. And he goes on to say that even this judge who was unjust did this for this woman. But we have a just Father. God is a just judge. So we come before a just judge. And we can expect that when we come before a just judge. And we implore him. And we pray to him. And we beg of him. And we ask him to grant us justice against our adversary. We trust that he will do it, but we do keep asking and we keep seeking and we keep worshiping God until it is done. So those are two examples of prayer, but I loved how he laid this out where we command and demand of the enemy and we do not have to do it more than once. We have the authority and we stand in the authority. Look, the devil tried to taunt Kenneth Hagin. The devil will always try to come in with doubt and shame and mess with your mind. But Kenneth Hagin looked back at him. Well, looked back. You know what I mean. Kenneth Hagin spoke back to the devil and said, I don't think he'll be saved. I know it. I took the name of Jesus and broke your power over him. And I claimed his deliverance and salvation. You see, the enemy always wants us to agree with him that it's not been done yet. Because if we do that, then we give up our authority and power. But we are to not beg or even need to repeat what we have commanded the enemy to do. We just stand in our authority and know that it's done. We do not agree with the enemy's lies. We do not agree with the enemy's doubt. Whereas when we come before our father... We can implore him as the persistent widow did, the unjust judge. We can even beg of our father and ask him and implore him and come before him with weeping and praise and worship 
asking him. He wants to give us good gifts. Just as a father in this world wants to give their children good gifts, so too does our God want to give us good gifts. In fact, it says in scripture that every good and perfect gift comes from God. So those are two examples of prayer. Decreeing and declaring is similar to commanding and demanding, but it's a little bit different in that we're actually taking a seat in the court of heaven, and it is okay to continue to decree a thing. It says in Job 22 that you will decree a thing and it will be established, and that is when you are in right standing with God. So a decree is like a court order. So when a judge issues a court order or issues a verdict, they decree the verdict. Now, sometimes people go out in the wind, right? There are bounty hunters for a reason, but the verdict still stands. That person has been declared guilty by the judge and they must be detained. So it is okay to reiterate a decree in the courts of heaven. It's just stating that this has been decreed, this is done, and it will happen. Declarations are a little bit different. Declarations are actually, in a sense, worship to God. They're declaring into the atmosphere, to the enemy, and to whoever wants to listen, who we are and whose we are. When we are declaring things, we are declaring what we already have. A decree is what we need to establish. We decree a thing and it is established. Like a court order. Just because the court order is done does not mean that the justice system has followed through on it yet, but that decree has been issued. With a declaration, as my mentor Jennifer Evaz likes to say, a declaration is what you do when you come back from a country and you have to declare the things that you bought over there that you're bringing back with you. They're the things that you already have. So we could declare, I am a child of God. We can declare what it says in the word that my family is saved because I am a child of God. We declare that we are blood-bought and saved by Jesus Christ. We declare things that we already have. And we decree the things that God has promised us that he is establishing. So I also want to talk a little bit about prophetic words and standing on them. And I'm just going to use the example of 1 Timothy 1. 18 to 19. Paul says to Timothy here, Timothy, my son, here are my instructions for you. Based on the prophetic words spoken about you earlier, may they help you fight well in the Lord's battles. Cling to your faith in Christ and keep your conscience clear. For some people have deliberately violated their conscience and as a result, their faith has been shipwrecked. So Paul gives the direct instruction here to war with the words that have been spoken over Timothy's life, war with the prophetic words. So what does that look like? When we get a prophetic word, it's like God saying that it is done. Now, a prophetic word can come by way of a prophet or another prophetic person, but it can also be something that God has spoken directly to you. It could come in the form of a dream or a vision. It can come in the form of hearing the audible voice of God or hearing God in your spirit. God has spoken it to you. 
He has said it is done in the spirit, and now you are to call it forth on this earth as it is in heaven. So it's already been established in heaven. And we call God's will down from heaven to earth. That's what we do with prophetic words. So we decree the prophetic words. Sometimes you can pray through the prophetic words. But you can also thank God for what he's doing. You can decree it and you can thank God for it. Because just as God said in heaven it's done, sometimes, just like the justice system here on earth, takes some time to carry out a court order, so too does it sometimes take some time to pull heaven's promises from heaven down to earth. So we decree and we stand on those promises and we thank God for them. This comes into worship as well. We can also prophesy those words over our lives and just speak them as if they are. Just as Peter commanded the lame man to walk, he said, get up and walk. That was like a prophetic word over him. You've been healed. Get up and walk. It was a command, but it was to the person. It was prophesying to him that he could. So this also brings me to worship and thanksgiving. You know, your worship to God is a prayer too. As we worship God and all of the things that he is, he shows up for us in those ways. We call upon God, Jehovah Jireh, Jireh is provider. We call on the God who is our provider and God who provides shows up and provides for us. We call on Jehovah Rapha and we lift up his holy name and we worship him. Jehovah Rapha is the Lord, our healer. And as we worship him and lift up his name and thank him for what he's doing and the healing that he brings to our lives, he brings healing. We lift up Jehovah Roi the Lord, our shepherd, and we thank him that he is a good shepherd, that he shepherds our lives and he shepherds our loved ones, that he is the God that has never lost one of his people. He has never lost a sheep. He is the God that leaves the 99 to find the one because he doesn't lose his people. And as we praise him, he fights in our lives and he shepherds us and he leads us and he leads and guides our loved ones. That is what praise and worship looks like. And it can be in song. It can be in song. I worship a lot in song because I'm a singer. But you can also praise him and worship him just by calling out his name and lifting up his holy name and setting apart his holy name and all of the attributes of his name and who he is and thanking him. You can thank him for the promises that he has already given you. Maybe you've had a vision Maybe you have a knee problem and you have had a vision that your knee is completely healed and restored, that maybe it's been crooked, but you have a vision that it is made straight. You can stand on that every day and say, thank you, God, that you have completely healed my knee by the stripes of Jesus Christ. Thank you, God, that my knee is made straight. It is healed and it is made whole. Thank you, God, for healing my knee and making it straight. That is an example of how you can thank God for a prophetic word. We can also just worship him for being good without getting into any of the promises that he has given us, except that he is good and he is faithful and he is a man of his word. Well, he is the God, the only God, and he keeps his word. He is not a man or a human being. He does not lie. 
He is not a human being. He does not change his mind. We praise him because he keeps his word to us. So I just also want to touch a little bit on intercession and prayer as it comes to praying in tongues and travailing prayer. So what does that look like? Now, praying in tongues, when we pray in tongues, our prayer language is coming out. This isn't something that's meant to be interpreted if it's a prayer language, and it's actually not something that other people would understand either. There are different kinds of tongues. There is the kind that actually gives people that don't speak a language words in that language to preach the gospel to others. Then there is the kind of praying in tongues that's the voices of angels where someone else with the gift of interpretation of tongues needs to be there to share the interpretation and edify the body. But then there is the type of praying in tongues that actually strengthens us and brings us closer to God. It is praying in our prayer language, which is a language that only God understands and possibly his angels if he allows them to. It is a prayer straight from the Holy Spirit where our will can't get in the way and no preconceived notions can get in the way. It's prayer without words, well, without words that we know, that are sounds and phrases that only God understands between us and the throne room of heaven. And they are powerful and they strengthen us. They really strengthen us. And they are a way for the Holy Spirit within us to pray. So that is a very powerful way to pray. And if you don't know how to pray, but you have been given the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the gift of tongues, pray in tongues. When you don't know how to pray, pray in tongues. And God will hear the prayers of the Spirit and he will intercede for us. So another type of prayer is travailing prayer. Travailing prayer is like a birthing. Travailing prayer is that place that you get to usually when you have nothing left to pray. You have prayed all the prayers you know how to pray. You have stood on the word of God. You have stood on the decrees and it feels like a birthing. It feels a bit like labor pains. You will feel the pains and the pangs of an emotional delivery or even physical and it does get physical. They are the groanings and the tears and the wails that come out uncontrollably from our spirit and God hears them and they are the birthing pains as things are being birthed and God moves on our tears and he moves on our groans and he moves on the wails of his people. So those are the different ways to pray. And I have to say that you have to be led by the Holy Spirit and all of those things. But also be assured that you can step into your authority. You see, in order to be whole and remain in faith, healed, healthy, whole, we need to know two things rightly. We need to know who God is, his true identity, his power, his might, his authority, that nothing is too hard for him, that he is the creator of heaven and earth and everything in it. Nothing is too hard for him that he is all-powerful, that he is all-loving. He is love. He is a God of justice and truth. We need to know the attributes of God. We need to know who he is and his power. We also need to know who we are in God, our true identity, 
our true identity in Christ. You see, God made us. So who we truly are is in God because he made us to be who we are. Anything else that we are that is not of God is not who we are. It's all the things that tried to creep in and lie to us about who we are. So we need to know who we are and whose we are. That we are children of God, the most high king. That we are seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. That we are the body and Christ is the head and he has given us authority over all the power of the enemy that nothing can harm us. When we know whose we are and who we are and we know who God is, we stand and walk in authority and truth. And we do have power over the enemy. And we have power to shift things in our lives. And I want to encourage you that as you pray, listen for the Holy Spirit to lead you in how to pray. Kenneth Hagin commanded the enemy as he did because God challenged him. God spoke to him and told him that he needed to do something about it and command the enemy. So he did. Sometimes God doesn't say that. Sometimes God says, ask me for it. Ask me for it, child. You've been decreeing and you've been doing this. Just ask me. I'm your father. I long to give it to you. Sometimes he says, just keep standing on the decree. I am working. Keep standing. Keep standing. Stay in faith. Sometimes we are to thank him and he says, just thank me for it. It's already in motion. It's already done. Thank me. Trust and believe. Sometimes he says, just worship me. And as you worship me and lift your hands up, I will pour out to you all of the blessings that I have for you. And sometimes he says, just come to me and seek me with no words and let me do what only I can do. Let me move how you don't even know I need to move. And sometimes he hears the aching, pleading cries of our hearts that come out in groans that no one can understand except God. And he moves on behalf of our birthing pains because he is a gracious God and a merciful God and he keeps his promises to us. So I hope that was encouraging to you today and it gave you some new knowledge about God and how we are to pray. And I just encourage you to ask him. Prayer is not just talking. Prayer is also listening for God. When we pray effectively, we do ask and we do seek and we do stand on the word and we say decrees out of the word, like decreeing that by the stripes of Jesus Christ, we are healed. But it's also listening and waiting for God to speak. And when we feel those pangs or those thoughts come up that feels like it has power on it or feels like a nudge from the Holy Spirit, we take those and we pray through them. Sometimes God gives us images or words to direct us specifically in our prayer. And just as he did for Kenneth Hagin with his prayers for his brother, he challenged him. You need to do something. It's time for you to take authority over the enemy. So God will speak. We need to listen. And when he speaks, we act. Jesus said that I do nothing except what my father does, which means he has seen and heard his father do things. Jesus did what he saw God do and what he heard God do through visions and dreams, through words of knowledge, through hearing, through feeling. We are to do the same thing. 
We listen for God and we watch for him and we do what he does. We do what he shows us. We speak what he shows us. Just as I gave that example of the knee being made straight and healing, God showed it to you, you pray it. I pray that this knee is made straight and it heals. I thank you, God, that it is done. I thank you, God, that you showed me that you are making this knee straight and it is being healed. And I decree and declare that by the stripes of Jesus Christ, this knee is healed. You pray what you see. You know, I see sometimes when I pray for people, chains breaking, and I start praising God. Thank you, God, for the chains breaking off. I heard the other day in prayer the clomping of horse hooves. And I knew instinctively that it was the horse and the rider. And just as God dealt with the horse and rider at the Red Sea, he was dealing with the horse and the rider now of the enemy. And I thanked God that he deals with both horse and rider and that he washes them away by the power of the Red Sea and the blood of Jesus. So we do what our Father God tells us to do. We move and pray by the leading of the Holy Spirit. And when we do this, our prayers are answered. There are some things that are answered immediately because all we needed to do in that moment was take authority over a demon and we have that authority. There are other prayers that take time because they're in process and there are promises that take time. Just look at the life of Joseph. He had to go through a process before he was put in the place of promise, but God still did it. And he stood and praised the Lord and believed God through it. And he was put in the place of promise. So I hope that encourages you and it gives you new tools and techniques and ways to pray. And that it reminds you that you have the authority. Whether you believe it or not, you have the authority. It's time to believe what God has given you. Kenneth Hagin also says on the next page, I believe it is, Two pages later, after he tells this story about his brother, he says, When circumstances don't change immediately, some people become discouraged and slip back into the natural. They start talking unbelief and they defeat themselves. They give the devil dominion over them. As Smith Wigglesworth often said, I'm not moved by what I see. I'm not moved by what I feel. I am moved only by what I believe. So stand your ground. So I say to you, just as he said, stand your ground. Not every prayer is answered immediately, but that doesn't mean that God isn't working. Some prayers take years to see their fulfillment. But if God has called you to pray, if God has put it on your heart to stand, stand. Don't give up. Keep standing, keep believing, keep asking, keep knocking, keep seeking. Command the enemy off of what belongs to you. God will move. He moves on our prayers and our decrees and our declarations. And he moves as we ask him and we seek him and we knock. And he moves as we praise him. So I hope that was helpful and encouraged you. Have a blessed week, and I will talk to you next week.
to